0: Welcome back to Cerning Geeks and Geekettes. Do we have a purpose for being
1: here? We can get off TikTok. We're doing a podcasting. Say hey, Dave. Hey, Dave. Hey, Dave. Why do I like the movie? It makes you think. I had to Pay full price. And go, go, take a snack. That's because it's the best one. They named
2: him Moments of Awesomeness. I think it's a cinematic masterpiece.
0: He's a Cadillac hat rat. He is the bureaucrat's dental plaque. The laundromat's nickel bat. The dingbat's nordic track. How can this be? For he is the blue dark meat He is the diplomat's panic attack. The that's Nymphomaniac. The chit chat, Selma If
1: this movie is like mashed potatoes.
0: Don't forget the garlic and rosemary. It's got great scores on Rotten Potatoes. That's the podcast we need to start. The Rotten
3: Potatoes. No nuts. This podcast is definitely nuts. Bless his heart. These guys are losing their minds. These
0: guys have no idea what they're doing. Apparently, the Butter Buzz is getting to me. <laughs> Welcome to the most professional podcast on the internet. It's the greatest thing ever. Keep doing whatever makes you a discerning geek. The
3: Discerning Geeks Portal. Holiday season.
2: Welcome back, discerning listeners, to the disorning uh, portals. uh, Disorienting
1: uh, Geek Portal?
2: The Disorienting Geeks Portal. Sorry, I drank too much beer, just like my predecessor. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And we're doing another podcast, and I'm joined. I'm Andrew, and I'm joined by my best friends, uh, Dave and that other guy.
0: What? (laughs) His name is Todd. I have a name. Hi, Todd. Hi, how's it going?
2: I'm good. What about you, Teague? I'm all right. Well, that's better than last week.
0: (sighs) Happy day after Thanksgiving, which I think might equate with Merry Christmas. Isn't it Boxing Day in Canada now?
1: Is that the day after Thanksgiving in Canada? I can't remember.
0: Really? I think that's the day after Christmas.
1: Is that the day after Christmas? Okay, my bad. I think so. I couldn't remember which one it was.
3: Boxing Day is a public bank or statutory holiday in Australia, Canada, Hong Kong, Ireland, New Zealand, Nigeria, South Africa, and Trinidad and Tobago. It typically falls on December 26th. In some countries, it may shift to the first available weekday after Christmas when Christmas falls on a weekend. In the UK, if Christmas Day falls on a Saturday like it does this year, Monday the 27th is the official Christmas holiday, pushing Boxing Day to Tuesday the 28th.
2: All right, Todd, before we get sidetracked, why don't you tell us what we're reviewing? Uh,
0: Yes, we are starting to review some Christmas movies. We actually replaced the regular Wheel of Insanity with a special Christmas Wheel of Insanity. And the first thing that we rolled was uh, a movie suggested by Dave. Oh, and speaking of that, we should probably explain this before we go any further. The other Dave Dave was not feeling well. All right. he was dead. He no, wasn't no, feeling
2: well and he caught the COVID and then he fell over and died on the street. So no, we we're doing no, this in memory of him. And I'm his closest no. bloodline-wise since I'm his nephew. Hence why I'm taking over the podcast. All of y'all are employed by me. So, Todd, you're fired.
3: Oh, hey, can I be fired too? Anything I'm else?
0: Fine. Will you explain why Dave's not here then? the
3: end?
2: <laughs> he, he was just feeling sick and he didn't like this movie that much anyway. So he is just going to sub out for this one. Yeah. uh, yeah. We're going to review.
0: So it was the day that is here that suggested this movie. And the movie is The Man Who Invented Christmas. After experiencing a level of literary and financial success, celebrated British novelist Charles Dickens hits a creative slump. To recover, he desperately needs a hit book before the end of 1843 and we the audience get to see his process in conceptualizing, writing, and publishing his famous novella A Christmas Carol, just in time for the holiday. The Man Who Invented Christmas is starring Dan Stevens as Charles Dickens. Uh, He may be well known as playing Matthew Crawley from Downton Abbey or The Beast from the live action Beauty and the Beast. Christopher Plummer as Ebenezer Scrooge. Uh, Christopher Plummer uh, passed away earlier this year on on February 5th at the age of 91. And when he played this role, he was 87 years old, making Christopher Plummer the oldest actor to ever play Scrooge. Uh, In fact, Scrooge is kind of elderly in the book, but several other previous films have Scrooge being closer to middle age. So uh, Christopher Plummer was actually closer in age to what he should be to, to play Scrooge. Also starring Jonathan Price as John Dickens, Charles' father. Morvith Clark as Charles', uh, Charles wife, Kate Dickens. According to Wikipedia, Kate was the eldest uh, daughter of 10 children, and she went on to have ten-, 10 children herself. Donald Sumter plays Jacob Marley. Anna Murphy is the ghost of Christmas Past. And Justin Edwards is the ghost of Christmas present. To be honest, there's a pretty big, sprawling cast uh, after that. But uh, so those are just kind of the the core characters. The Man Who Invented Christmas was released on November 22nd, 2017, or at least that was the USA date. I think it had several release dates uh, internationally. It has a rating of PG. It was written by Susan Coyne, but it was based on a 2008 book of the same name written by Les Standiford. And of course, both were inspired by the original novella, A Christmas Carol, by Charles Dickens. It was directed by Bharat Naluri. And where you can find it right now, it's on Hulu, but it's also on something called Canopy which I wasn't sure about. So I had to look it up and figure out what it
3: is. Todd forgot to say, but that's Canopy with a K, not a C. Canopy is apparently
0: a streaming service that is offering uh, free documentaries, foreign films, classic cinema, independent films, and educational videos uh, somehow associated with universities and public libraries. And uh, it may not be available everywhere. In fact, I I did a a search on the website uh, using a couple of our local zip codes to see if it was in our area at public libraries. And it's not. But maybe some of the local universities have access to it. I don't know. But anyway, if you are in school or if you go to your public library a lot, you might be able to get access to this Canopy app and and have access to maybe not your everyday mainstream kind of movies, but some of the, uh, I guess, artsy fartsy type stuff. Uh, Mm -hmm. So if that's your thing, check out Canopy. And I don't really have a whole lot of trivia about this. The movie, even though it, of course, uh, is set in London, it was filmed uh, almost entirely in Ireland and even used some of the same sets from the TV show Penny Dreadful. And then all of the other bits of trivia I have. I can basically just sum up it in one thing by saying that a lot of the cast members of this movie have played either the same or similar or maybe completely different character from either a Christmas Carol or one of one of Charles Dickens other plays. And either a, a play, a TV special, a movie or whatever. So I guess whoever was in charge of casting for this particular movie must have wanted to get people who were experienced with Dickensian type drama, whether it be this story or something else. So that's it.
2: Well, I actually have a piece of trivia for y'all. Did you know that the book he writes in the movie is an actual book written by someone named Charles Dickens in 1800s? It's just crazy um, to me, right?
1: Like
0: uh, I've never missed a Christmas
1: Carol before. Wow you you mean the 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 small book that I have on my shelf titled A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens is an actual real book? I know, right? It's crazy, and I don't even know how to read. <laughs> Obviously, wow, that's trivia, huh? You want to know some other trivia? What? What? Uh, Charles Dickens' nanny. When he was growing up, used to tell him the most horrible stories in the world because it would get him to go to sleep. She would, tell, she would normally uh, lull him to sleep by telling him tales of things like Captain Blood and how he like murdered people and ate children. And that's not a lie. That's an actual fact. It's what got him started when he started writing Penwick papers that you could buy for like a penny. And actually, a lot of his wealth started by writing short stories. In fact, Charles Dickens was and is the reason why if you hate cliffhangers, you will not like Charles Dickens because that's how Charles Dickens wrote so that people would keep buying his little uh, chapters that he uh, wrote for the Penwick Papers. He would always leave it on a cliffhanger so that you would want – to go out when the new one came out and read what happened so he would often leave characters dangling from like a tree holding on for dear life and then that's where the story would end until the next penwick paper came out so charles dickens is in my opinion the inventor of the cliffhanger and and the reason why you see a lot of shows do that to get you to to come back for the next season or the next story interesting he's the man that that did that
2: okay that's interesting not as cool as my piece of trivia but it's something Uh, it's something.
1: sure yeah that you know one of the most famous book that was almost sold as many copies of the bible is an actual book okay
0: well uh so first just initial reactions um you know just a short version of of what we thought of this movie Uh, dave do you want to start since you're the one that suggested it
1: well i mean mine's easy i i thought the movie was fun and great and i like to i when i watch christmas movies i I, don't get me wrong i know a lot of people like uh think die hard is christmas movie i don't necessarily agree with that but i do like watching die hard because it does have a lot of christmas stuff in it but i like watching die hard because of what it is die hard um when i watch christmas movies i'm a bit of more of a traditionalist i like to pull out my old um uh, Christmas Carol that's, uh, oh God, I can't even think uh, George C. Scott. I think the George C. Scott Christmas Carol is the best Christmas Carol, and that's the one that I watch. Um, I like to pull that one out. I like to pull out uh, Muppet Christmas Carol. I always like that. I like that one too because it's the Muppets. Um, but I also like A Wonderful Life. I'm a, kind of a traditionalist when it comes to my Christmas stuff. This movie is very close to those in that I enjoy it enough and enjoy the story and the thought of it Um, I don't know how much of it is true. It could be completely fictional. Um, In fact, I'm pretty sure sure most of it's fictional. But this ranks there along with those in the fact that I enjoy watching it. I do believe it's a Christmas movie. You may have to look a little bit between the lines, but but you start realizing, and this is one of the fun things that I think is, is fun about it, is that you kind of start realizing that the characters in the story he's creating is his own story. And uh I like that fact that when you get to that conclusion at the end.
2: Well, that's nice. Uh I, I like this movie because it took a Christmas carol and it instead of just doing a basic Christmas carol like everyone else does, it kinda of flipped it on its head and talked about the writer and this fictional experience about Charles Diction Charles Diction Dickens writing Dickens Charles dictions writing his dictionary christmas carol and um actually his experience is going in and i feel like it was a nice refreshing experience to the overdone christmas carol model but uh what about you todd how do you feel
0: i also ultimately liked it uh, it took me a while to get there though um You know, it's a decent enough Christmas tale and it definitely has some intriguing story elements and a good overall message and like some really excellent production quality, but it was kind of slow paced in the beginning And Dave, I know what you're saying. This is more of a traditional tale and, and, you know, we should be a little bit more forgiving about a, a Christmas thing. But regardless, I wasn't sure where it was going. And some of the stuff we were getting early on, I'm not sure I totally cared about. And it wasn't until things picked up a little bit later that I was like, okay, now I see where we're going. So I would have to say that early on, the slow pacing was a little tough to deal with. And even later, there were a few little boring patches here and there, uh, but for the most part, I think it, it came together in the end.
1: Mm-hmm. And I can understand that. Uh, it's one of those where um, I, I – I, if you decide to go see it or if you decide to watch it, uh, bear with us because I do understand what Todd's saying. Uh, the first uh, 10, 15, maybe 20 minutes of the movie, you're you're kind of going to be like, okay – what's going on uh there is some chaos i think maybe at the beginning i i can't really remember off the top of my head uh that uh, plays out later makes more sense later um because i think that that part was there to kind of show that there was this one kind of person that was kind of like an element of chaos in the whole thing at least charles dickens um and you you kind of get that in the beginning, but it also I think like Todd says it does slow it down to where you're 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 kind of there for a while. You're you're a little bit like okay, where's this going? Um, I think it starts picking up though once he creates his first character, um, once once Scrooge appears, uh, so so to speak. Because one of the cool things that I think is cool about this movie is as Charles Dickens creates characters to be in the book, they appear. Um, that nobody else can see them; they're just in his head, but yet in the movie, uh, there is an actual physical representation of that character that hangs out with him. And so by, you know, the middle to the end of the movie, he's being followed by like 12 or 15 people. (laughs) Like as he walks around town and is like doing other things um, that are all characters from the book. Uh, And so I actually enjoy that part where I think it's kind of funny to to, to not only is Scrooge following him around, there's like Mr. Fezziwig and like all these other characters that like he's created that are just hanging out with him.
0: Yeah, I would say that's where the the movie started to pick up for me when he created the character of Scrooge. And then I was like, oh, okay, now I see what we're doing. When he actually began interacting with the characters Mm -hmm. and we, the audience, get to see them as if they are characters in the movie, too. That's when I got clued in, because I've always been very envious of writers because... I would love to be a writer because I kind of like coming up with things like names and character traits and and dialogue and stuff like that. Mm. Uh, The problem is I have no inspiration whatsoever. I can't come up with plot, especially for something like a book that would have to have, you know, plot twists and complexity and stuff like that. My brain just doesn't work that way. If I were to think, what do I want to write a book about? Nothing. I I got nothing that I think that's one reason why, I might do a little bit better critiquing things like movies and TV shows. Is there something to work from? I can say, okay, somebody else has created this. Now I can kind of analyze it because there's something already there. What's the good and the bad and stuff. But coming up with something on my own is is very hard. So I've always been kind of envious of writers for that. But I'm, I've also been very fascinated with the concept of, of writing. And I like sometimes either reading about how to write, even though I never do it, or I've listened to some podcasts before, uh, where, uh, TV producers and, and in TV producers is about the same thing as a, as a writer. They talk about the writing process and, and, and getting characters created and, and, uh, breaking scripts week to week and stuff like that. And so I've, I like, Absorbing that kind of thing. And so when this movie went from, oh, Dickens is just kind of down in his luck and he's kind of scrambling to, okay, he's actually a writer now and he is going through the process of creating the characters, creating the story. That's when I started to like the movie a lot better. And I love that moment where he was trying to come up with the name for the main character. And another thing that I like is that he, um, he would write down names because he, he felt like uh, a name was very powerful or was you know, very important to get right for a character. And like I said, I like coming up with names. And I, I think a name is very important too. And sometimes that can slow me down when coming up with like a character for a role-playing game or something. I like how he was trying to figure out the name of the main character and he was going through some things. And then all of a sudden he was like, Scrooge. And as soon as he did, he turns around who's behind him the character. And of course, nobody else can see him but him. But I was like, ah, this is the moment that I start to like the movie. And then he comes up with with other characters and he uses names from other people in real life and he assigns them to the characters and that makes those characters richer. And then like you said, Dave, uh, it, it, eventually it's a whole lot of characters. In fact, I think I think there might've been maybe too many characters, either that, or maybe I wasn't paying enough attention because after a while there were enough characters where I wasn't exactly sure who some of those characters were. I was just like, okay, he's creating characters and they're there, but I'm not caught up. But, um, but yeah, I, I really appreciated the, the part of the movie where we got to see his process.
2: Yeah, that's really cool. Um, I know that always that my family has always been very proficient in writing. Um, I have an uncle who wrote, poem once and read it aloud to the rest of our family Uh, my mom's currently writing a book Uh, oh really david who's currently sick right now has always been very adamant about reading and i feel like he could have a very illiterate mind as well um and i've always been good at writing even though i just uh, i'm always failing in ela because i'm like oh this is boring you know i don't need to learn all this grammar i would just like to write and seeing mm, yes, this, you do.
0: Uh, yes, you do. Yes, you do.
2: <laughs> no, no, I don't. Yes, you do. <laughs> no.
1: Debatable. Oh. Um, well, so technically, like, uh, if he writes and continues to write, he's going to have to check his writing and therefore will learn the grammar gradually because he will be writing. Does that make sense? That's true.
2: And I've, I know that in journalism class, I have a uh, editor. So that's why I don't really worry about grammar. Journal. Do you want to be a writer? What, don't
1: take, don't take journalism.
2: That's why my chief editor hates me. Um, anyway, um, I seeing the, the gift that Charles Dickens has in this movie and the fact that he can make characters actually come to life in his mind and seeing that connection he has to the story that he is currently writing. It's just such a nice like concept of thought to think about while I'm watching the movie, like what if I had this ability? Um, what kind of characters would I come up with and interact with? Uh, people would definitely think I'm crazy, but that would be so entertaining, you know. Just all that stuff really wrapped me up in the world of this movie, um, for sure.
1: Well, I I had a tape, and as far as I know, I still have it. Uh, that does talk about Charles Dickens, which is where I know that that uh, bit of trivia about the Penwick papers and and uh and the cliffhanger and and his nanny used to tell him such horrible stories um when he was a kid uh and it often talks about it's one of the reasons why i actually i love charles dickens um because a lot of the times his characters that he created were never meant to be people he didn't he didn't create he didn't write about even though he made him into a, into a person, Scrooge, when you really evaluate and look at Scrooge and when you really evaluate and look at all the other characters that are in most of his novels, he's actually writing and, and turning a human trait into a person. So greed and adverse becomes Scrooge, this, this man that is so unbelievably stingy that, you know, he owns a big house, but yet only uses a candle until there's nothing left, you know, and only uses one candle, you know, uh, that kind of thing. These, these odd bits, these contradictions. In fact, we were actually having a discussion about the contradictions of humanity, about humanity really is kind of a contradiction about how people are contradictions. And I think that's something that he actually tapped into when he wrote and I think that's why a lot of his stories and a lot of his novels today are still just as fresh and 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 fun to read as anything, especially you know a Christmas Carol, which is like the shortest book he ever did. I think it's like one hundred and forty six pages. I think that's it, that's something like that. Um, and yet, it's timeless. You know, every year, if not every couple of years, we have another Christmas Carol come out where somebody redoes it. And it's it's the same story. It never changes. Uh, yeah, you might have some variants like Scrooged with Bill Murray and that kind of thing, but it's still the same story. It, it's because the story itself is timeless, and because I think the way that he wrote it and what he tapped into on the characters that he created—they're not people that ever grow old because you can always see something in the characters that connect to everybody else. You know, we all know that one person that's kind of a miser we all know that one person who never lets anything get him down. We know that that person that works for uh, works hard but knows how to put everything down and just party like it's 1999. You know, Mr. Fezziwig. Because of that, we can always connect with the stories even though, you know, it was written over 100 some years ago. And and that's the sign of a great writer. Same thing with like Shakespeare, which, you know, Shakespeare's a little bit different. You know, he was the first kind of I guess really big mass-produced novelist, so to speak, uh, even though he did a lot more plays and sonnets. But, uh, you know, it's it's the reason why there are certain things that go through time that will just remain timeless. You know, uh, we've often talked about C.S. Lewis. We've often talked about J.R.R. Tolkien, you know, and they're great stories. Uh, I'm sure um, rallying with Harry Potter is going to be the same type of thing, you know, where uh, there's going to come a day 20 to 30 years from now where there's going to be dorks like us that are going to be like a little red lord of the rings yes have you read ender's game yes have you read uh lion race and order yes have you read harry potter yes okay you're cool you know <laughs> it's just one of those type of things uh, go ahead
0: uh well i was just going to elaborate on one of my previous points uh how i, I really appreciate the 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 process of, of writing how the characters come to life and uh I I missed one thing in my notes, and it's a comparison to Babylon 5. And, you know, I've I've got to find excuses to to mention Babylon 5 all the time. Yeah. Well, uh, J. Michael Straczynski, the creator of Babylon 5, he's often talked about how the most important thing to writing is characters. And sometimes he knows his characters so well, especially for Babylon 5, that sometimes they actually talk to him in his head. In fact, I, I think within the last year, he mentioned sometime on Twitter that Londo and Jakar actually had an argument in his head one day. But the the most famous example during Babylon 5, and I'll, I'll leave out specifics for those who haven't seen Babylon Five, but there came a, a part of the story about somewhere around half to two-thirds of the way through the run to Babylon Five, where something had to be done. And one particular character was about to do it. And JMS said that another character in his head said stop. I have to be the one to do this because if that other character does it, it's just another day. If you get me to do it, I'm going to feel guilty about it. You're going to be able to milk it for, for, you know, weeks to come and it's going to be more meaningful. It's going to, it's going to have more powerful. It's going to have more powerful because it's going to have more power because if he does it, it, like I said, it's just going to be a normal thing that you would expect. You wouldn't expect it from me. So I have to be the one to do it. And so I I'm just so, like I said, so envious of people who are able to come up with their characters so richly that they literally talk to them. And so there's a scene and Dave, I don't remember the specifics. So you might have to remind me, but one of my favorite parts of the movie is where Scrooge actually talks to Dickens and he tries to convince him to change him. Uh, I can't remember what it's about, but Scrooge is like, I think I should do this or I think I should be this way. And he's actually talking to Dickens and we, as the viewers of the movie are seeing Two characters talk to each other, but of course, what's going on in the story is Dickens just having this debate in his head, kind of the way JMS does when when characters talk in his head. So, do you, do you remember the scene I'm talking about?
1: Uh, are you talking about where Scrooge says, "Where's my side? Do I get to tell my side of the story?"
0: Maybe, like, maybe so. Maybe that was it. Yeah,
1: and, and actually, that's probably true because uh, you know there there is that part, there is the part in the book that a lot of people leave out in movies, or they used to. I don't think they do it anymore, but it showed how Scrooge became the way he did. And it was about like how he wanted to get married. He had, to, he found the love of his life and he lost all of that because of his own misgivings of trying to make money so that they would never have to worry. And instead of just taking the leap and, and trusting in love and that kind of thing, like most of us do, um, instead he was like no we're not gonna get married until i have enough money and and even though that's not mentioned in this particular movie we know it's in the book we know it's in a lot of the other movies and um uh that's probably the scene you're talking about and that's and that that to me was interesting because i know what what he's talking about when he says that about like where's my side you know this has all been a condemnation of me which he's right if you just if you leave out that part it's just a condemnation of of uh of scrooge being bad but yet when you get to the part where you find out why scrooge became scrooge it makes scrooge human you you now mm-hmm. connect on him on, a, on the level of oh you know i don't agree with what he did but yet now i understand why he did what he did why why he became the way he did you know and and i think in a way that's important because when the redemption comes which is another great thing for the, 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 at near the end of the movie, Dickens is, can't figure out how to end, end the film and everybody kind of around him is telling him how to end it, mm-hmm. but he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to end it that way. He doesn't want to get, in other words, he doesn't want to give it a happy ending. Is basically what it is until he finally finds his own way of getting to it to where he goes, Oh wow, they are right. And, um, I also think it's funny because I'm just going to, I'm going to brag on Todd a little bit.
2: Yeah, Let's go.
1: Todd talks about how he's not really a writer, and that's true. Todd has a hard time. I will admit to that. He has a hard time of putting point A to point B to point C to point D to write a story. But yet when it comes to the characters he creates, you, you would not believe the volumes of yes. back history that involve these characters. In other words, if we can figure out – if Todd could – Todd probably needs to write backwards. And I think, that I don't even know if I've ever mentioned this to him before. He needs to write backwards. He needs to figure out where he's going and then write how he got there. And he'd be, he would be a writer because Todd will make a character. He'll sit around and figure out a name and he'll figure out what that person is and who that person is. And then Todd will write like 12 to 15 pages on how the guy got to the point of being like this half lane ranger that loves the woods and you have this whole story of like 12 pages of like how he got to that and like what happened to him and all this kind of stuff and i'm like that's just that's writing you know but yeah you know, todd todd doesn't believe that
2: todd's writing is very character based it is completely about like here's my character here's a character that i made how do i figure out what makes them tick and like how do i put it in into writing format when it comes to writing a plot that's what todd struggles with and i'm not criticizing you here todd a hundred percent i'm not because it's it's very interesting how your brain's how your brain works in the whole like backstory thing and that it comes character first and then backstory after like it's what teak said it's like it's working backwards it's kind of interesting
0: yeah. Well, first, thank you. Second, if you're talking about my character from our D&D campaign, any uh, of them. I'm talking about what, any it, of them. <laughs> okay. It, well, if you're talking about that one, it was a gnome druid, not Halfling Ranger. Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> and, and then and then third, uh, part of the reason that I wrote a, I think, 35-page history on that character was because I had to justify just about everything for it because Dave put a whole lot of restrictions and it's like, I want to do this. And Dave was like, No, you can't do that. I want to do this. No, you can't do that. And so I had to figure out, okay, how do I want to how do I create this character the way I want to create it as much as possible, but within the bounds that that Dave is setting. And then I had to explain all those contradictions and that's what led to the story because I had to say, okay, how, how, how do these two contradictions exist? And I had to find a way of justifying it. and, And then that, and then that created story and character and other characters and, and stuff like that. So um,
1: I just think it's funny because when it comes to me creating characters, I just create things and just run with it. Um, and my history comes out as we play, if I have any. Um, my favorite characters that I ever played one was an orc. That was my greatest one. But then my next favorite character, oddly enough, was a crazy goblin. I just, uh, where me and Todd were playing. We just did, we were just doing a short campaign and it was just me and Todd. And, and I think, I can't remember if you were dwarf or gnome or halfling or whatever, but we were both like three foot tall cause I was a crazy goblin. And, uh, mm-hmm. was, I, don't,
0: I don't remember that one.
1: That was the one where we remember we were in the King's throne room and I, I, I think I attacked the King and then we had to escape the castle.
0: Mm, I don't remember that.
1: Okay. never mind. It was, it was. Maybe fun. you played that
0: with somebody from college. No, no, uh, it was, was with me. you
1: because I remember you and you and me kept laughing because uh, we we specifically told Dave we had to have poop and bricks because of, oh. because we were both like three foot five and nobody okay. would take us seriously if we didn't have somebody taller. Okay. Oh, by the way, for all of you geeks out there who don't know. Whenever we would normally play, it was usually just me, Dave, and Do- Dave and Todd, three of us. And Dave was usually game mastering. So, it was just me and Todd mm-hmm. playing. So, there's just two of us. Now, we've always had a fun time doing that. Um, but sometimes you need a little extra help when you're doing parties and bigger adventures. And so, we created two Barbarian brothers. Uh, they were just straight-up Barbarians. And uh, just for... Giggles. We named one of them Poop and the other one Bricks, and so it was Poop and Bricks, and uh, they will they will live in glorious infamy, perhaps we could say, forever in our D anD D games as two great heroes. In fact, actually, we started playing a D anD D game, and Poop and Bricks had evidently created a, a city, and there were two great golden uh-huh. statues of them, and uh, we had we've, we we had a lot of fun with that. In fact, we need to kick David the butt and tell him we need to play again.
2: I'll tell you what, I did not understand that reference whatsoever. I thought it was pop culture and I was just like, (laughs)
1: "Nope, nope, that was totally us. We we created, we created pooping bricks.
0: And and see those two characters came about because of a pun I made way back in high school when I had a different character in a different setting where I said, uh, my character's just so stressed out. He just walks back and forth and poops bricks. He's just pooping bricks. And then later, for some reason, we took that. And form the names for, for two characters. And so after a while, I, I've actually gotten to the point where I feel like we ought to retire the characters because it's based on a stupid joke I told way back in high school.
1: Well, but, no, they uh, are kind of retired because they're technically dead. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: and and, uh, and they're, they're,
1: they've, they've, they were in charge. Anyway, it doesn't matter. We're getting, we're getting way <laughs> off track now because we're totally not talking about the movie.
0: Yeah, it, and to get back on track, uh, you were you were talking about the the darkness that that Dickens was going to do. That was actually the next point I was going to make from from my notes, and I really appreciated the fact that uh, that all the, all the other people were, were telling him that this should be it, it should be a happier story. And I'm kind of surprised that he would think that it should be a dark story. And what was he, what was he thinking? Like, was he just going to allow this to be a Christmas story? But in depressingly, I, I'm not, sh- it, it it's a little weird that it took other people to convince him, but it is interesting because, you know, I, I talked about how how much it was cool to, to hear the characters play out in his head, but the characters were trying to tell him it should be happier too. And he wasn't listening to them. So I'm glad it took somebody in real life to convince him. Um, mm. So yeah, that that was the next thing in my notes that so that was a good turn. Yeah, it, it
1: was very interesting because basically uh, Charles Dickens did not believe himself that a man like Scrooge could change, and so he was. You don't really know, really. You just have to kind of guess. But that's really as you if as you watch it and you kind of pick up on things, you, you kind of tell that Charles Dickens himself didn't realize that that Scrooge, a person as miserly as Scrooge, could possibly change and be better. And so you could tell that he was, he was wanting to do a punishment story on like, you should not be this way because this is what's going to happen to you. That's kind of the reason I think he kept getting blocked because like I said before, I think he even, he even, even him himself, well, his friend tells him, his friend kind of sums it up. He goes, it should be about hope.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, like I said, I'm pretty sure this, this novel was a, was a fictional novel. Uh, so it's not I don't think it's any direct result to Charles Dickens or the thought process that he had. Who knows? Maybe he did have that. Yeah, I agree too. That's a really cool part of the story where the last thirty minutes of the movie, he's got the whole book done and cannot figure out how to like end it.
0: Well, and why do you think he was so stuck on the darkness? I I, I kind of have a little bit of a theory because it's something I'm not even sure I have in my notes. But um but why why do you think he was stuck on this possibly having a well I
1: think this? it's because when you really watch the movie and you watch how Charles Dickens is portrayed and, and the problems he has with his own father and what happened to him mm-hmm. and the things that he went through and, and the interactions with Scrooge and Charles Dickens. There's a couple of times where you realize that Scrooge is telling Charles Dickens, well, this book's not about me. It's not about Scrooge and kind of implies that it's about Charles Dickens, that you kind of realize that that the bad things that had happened in, in Dickens's life, as far as this author is concerned with, with the way he, they wrote the book, he couldn't forgive That's kind of the way I'm, I'm putting it. He couldn't forgive what had happened. And it wasn't until that moment, spoiler alert, it wasn't until that moment that he did realize that there was an ultimate end to everything that people are afraid of. That if you show them where it leads on how they live their life and this is where it leads, which is that epic moment where Scrooge is alone and there's nobody there with him. He basically says, I don't want to die alone. That's when Dickens realizes that uh, he's starting to push everybody away because of the way that he can't forgive what's happened to him. And so once he's able to do that and he realizes that in his head that ultimately all people die. And that is the greater fear. In other words, even more so than, oh, my God, do I have enough money in my life? Oh, my God, do I have enough this? Do I have enough that? Do I have enough this? It doesn't matter. Eventually, you're going to die. And, and when you pass away, do you want to pass away surrounded by people that love you or do you want to pass away bitter and alone? Right. And so that allows him to finally see what everybody else was telling him, which was the book should, should have hope. There's not a lot in this film that I, I, I can really poke at besides it takes a little bit to hook you. You know, it's a little slow, but once it gets going, there's not a lot in this film that I can really complain about. And so I guess that's the reason we've been kind of running off on tangents in a lot of places because we're kind of all in agreement. It's like, yeah, it's a little slow, but once you, once you get there, yeah, you're probably going to like it. you know. Yeah. And, and I, I think
0: your, your explanation is good for the turning point where he turns toward hope and everything. But like I said, I was kind of wondering about why he was stuck in the dark place. And you mentioned his father, and I think that's definitely a, a big piece of it. But I think another part was just – was stress and distraction because he was under a deadline, so that was causing him stress. And one thing that was a little bit frustrating to me, and I and I admit that's kind of by extension because it was frustrating to the character, was every time he started to make a little progress in the story, somebody would interrupt him. And he's like, I'm getting there, I'm getting in there, I'm getting there. and then somebody would knock on the door or Yeah, the running gag you. where Over, he yeah. would
1: suddenly want to write and he'd run yeah. up to the room <laughs> and he'd be like, Oh, oh no, no, this happens, this happens, this happens, this happens Mr Dickens
0: yeah. And everything is running somewhat smoothly in his life because he's like, oh, I'm getting really psyched about doing doing this uh, this novel and everything. And then all of a sudden his parents come and he has, he has the problems with dad yep. and everything. And I think it was just putting so much pressure on him to where I don't think he was in a state of mind that he could think about the hope. And then he he, he kind of had to hit a rock bottom before he could turn around and say, oh, wait a minute, everybody's right. We've got to have hope because because me being this stressed out sucks.
1: Which is something so. I've often said about life, that there, there are certain people, unfortunately, in this world where sometimes the best thing you can do for them is let them absolutely hit rock bottom. Because sometimes our better natures get to get a hold of us and and we'll help people. And there's nothing wrong with that. I don't want anybody to think that I'm telling you not to help somebody. You know, if you think of what you're doing is right, it's right. But there are certain people that sometimes have never learned a lesson that they should have already known. And I can't tell you what that is because it it could be anything from addiction to whatever. And sometimes the best thing to actually do for a person is to not help them. And by not helping them, you're helping them because – They get to a point where they realize, if I don't change, I'm going to just be gone. You see what I'm saying? And and it sounds incredibly cruel and incredibly harsh for – especially now, day and age, where everybody runs around talking about like, oh, you should be be mindful of everybody and blah, 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 blah. Well, you can't live that way because you're always going to piss somebody off. It doesn't matter what you do. You're always going to make somebody mad. And so sometimes it is better to just go – I'm sorry. And let him hit rock bottom because I've never in my life seen somebody hit rock bottom that was determined to, to make it to survive and not come back being a hugely better person. Mm-hmm. But that's just me. Yeah.
0: yeah. David and I have been doing a lot of talking. So Andrew, do you have something in the positives to say before we move on to negatives?
2: I don't. And I was actually going to say, let's move on to negatives, but, uh, it's just uh,
1: I, like I said, I, I don't I can't think of many I, I don't, I, besides the slow thing. I agree with the slow thing. But uh, mm-hmm. other than that, I, I don't have any negatives. So if you guys do, you need to go ahead and hit them.
2: Honestly, positives wise, really quick, I don't have a lot. It's just the story as a whole and the whole idea of the characters coming to life is just one big enjoyment factor that makes the whole movie come up. But that's about it. There's no individual positives I can think of. Okay. All right. But and so any negatives? Negatives. He kissed with his sister. That was kind of nasty. What?
1: What? 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 He, he kissed, his kissed his sister on the cheek.
2: Uh, I don't know. It was still kind of nasty. Okay. He needs okay. to get the hell oh my God. off his sister. I know it's 1862 or something, but he needs to get the hell off his sister, man.
1: 1843. And what? He had cooties in 1843, and so that's why you can't yep. watch that scene?
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Circle, circle,
1: dog, dot. I have a goodie shot.
0: Wait hey, I'm man. trying to remember. Did he have a sister in there or was it his yeah. sister in law?
1: It was his sister. Her husband was, he asked her, Why don't you come and stay with us? And she says, No, no. James will be fine or whatever. I think that was what his name was. Her husband, he had just lost his job. Oh, that's right. That's and, right. Yeah, yeah. and their their little boy was sick, so you can tell where the where the whole crashes came from.
0: Right, 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 right. Yeah, you're right. Okay, yeah. Sorry, it's been a few days since we watched this, so yeah, yeah. I, I totally remember what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Now. I've got a couple negatives, but they're not very big. Uh, In fact, like I said, it's been a while since we've watched this and I realized that this whole thing I was talking about with the distractions from his family and servants and stuff was actually mixed in with my complaint about the pacing. So I've already talked about that. One other thing is and this is not a huge complaint and it's something that isn't that this movie by itself is not necessarily guilty of and who knows it might not be guilty of it I'm not positive but anytime we have a movie or TV show that is based at least partially on real life I'm always a little bit skeptical as to just how true it is and it doesn't have to be true even if this is fictional and, and this is not how Dickens came up with the story that's fine it was still a good story on its own I guess I've just been a little bit wary of it ever since I became a fan of The Crown. And Dave, I know you said a few weeks ago that you started watching The Crown now too. And one of the things that kind of bugs me about The Crown is sometimes I'll watch an episode of The Crown and be like, holy crap, I didn't realize that. That's interesting. I feel like I've learned something. And so then I'll go on the internet and I'll start Googling things or go to Wikipedia and I'll realize it's only half true and that they took a ton of artistic license. And don't get me wrong. I know they need to when adapting something for a movie or TV show, you've got to combine characters, maybe move things around a little bit in the timeline. But when you just totally make crap up sometimes too, it it just feels like, and they're trying a little bit too hard for drama rather than actually teaching you something. And so sometimes I feel like I'm kind of a little bit cheated. So I was almost afraid to look up too much about Dickens. And I did a little bit like some of the stuff about him having to go to the factory as a kid. Uh, that was actually true. But I think in the movie it happens at age 12 when in real life it happens at age 11. And uh, and his dad actually did go to debtor's prison, but then I think that there was something else that was not totally true. And so I was afraid to read too much because I was afraid the more I did, the more I'd be like, oh, this took movie made up even more stuff, and then, then it, would, it, it would affect my judgment of it. So I'm always a little bit wary about that kind of thing. And then the only other thing is that Charles really got lucky. That Tara, the maid that he turned away, that she had to come back to return a book to him uh, because the the older maid or, or head maid or whatever, she said that-, uh, that Yeah, she was her- like an,
1: an orphan Irish child in London. Yeah, okay, that's like finding a needle in a hand
0: Yeah. So once he turned her away, he'd never be able to find her again. And I thought that would be a very dark way of ending this movie where just because he was in a bad mood for one singular moment and told her to go away and don't come back, which he didn't mean later, that she would go away and possibly go back to poverty and, and, you know... Mm. maybe do some bad things or, you know, criminal activity to survive or whatever. A- and so he got really lucky that she had to come back to return a book so that he could say, oh, I didn't mean it. Come back to work and everything is great. Uh, so that was a little bit of a convenient thing to happen near the end. But that's that's really it. Those Roman mm-hmm. Olympics.
1: Yeah. A lot of people don't understand. Uh, back in the 1800s, if you became a maid of, of a house, you lived at the house. Yeah. So that was how a lot of people would actually improve their life, especially when they were like orphans or, or, illiterate or, or, you know, not rich people. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that you're, you know, you had to work, you had to clean the house, you had to do all the stuff for the well-to-do family. But typically, um, and we actually have seen this because we visit, we have visited old houses and things like that, that, uh, like Biltmore. Remember you know, how we've gone to hmm. Biltmore? Uh, like, you know, we've seen, we saw the servants quarters where it was the hallway where it was just all these little rooms and that was where the servants lived, they And so, you know, some people kind of go, oh well, they'd have to leave and go home and blah, blah, blah. No, they didn't. They If you were hired as a maid, typically uh, you had a room. I wouldn't say it would be very opulent or anything like that. Don't get me wrong. But it was warm. Usually it was a bed. There was your, you had some stuff and you got paid and, and you just simply worked in the house. So back in that time, um, that was a step up from living on the street, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like in Downton Abbey where all those servants live in the basement of the castle, but it's still a big deal. And they talk about uh, a life of service as if it's a good thing, as if it's, it's not as low down as you might think that it's actually a which I guess it kind of depends on who you're in service of. And considering that this was a family that had a a mansion like that, that, um, that yeah, it, it was a higher level of service, but they, Mm. it was like, there was a little bit of pristine to it. So.
2: Yeah,
1: which is what okay. we're gonna do to Andrew. We're gonna we're gonna actually what? intern him. Wait, what? And, and we're gonna send him off. I open this uh, podcast. Dave
2: is dead, bro. He's gone. Okay, he's, his doctors aren't he's, old enough to step up and take control. I'm the I'm the only one fit to claim the throne. He's I'm. Not,
1: he's not dead. He's just throwing up. Gross. And it's you're the not the only. And you're, you're not the only blood relative this that's in this podcast, by the way. What? Yeah, I'm his second cousin. No, you're not. Yes, I am. No, you're not. Yes, I am. Well, I've got more of that uh teddy Dave is my second cousin once removed.
3: Would that make you and Andrew's second cousins twice removed?
1: Yes, you're tedily closer, but you're not the only blood relative.
3: This is one gene pool I do not want to swim in. Oh, then we
1: have Todd to here. Her. This is a family show Todd, Todd Todd is an honorary member of the Society of Dave. You do not <laughs> talk to Todd without permission.
2: Can I be an honorary member of the Society? We'll have to vote. <laughs> A vote. Yep. <laughs> Seems fair.
1: There's three Daves. You might win.
0: Uh, are we ready for lightning round? Sure. Sure. Okay, lightning round. So, get out your dice for initiative. Roll oh. for initiative.
2: Can't we just go? Six. Initiative is That's a vital 16. important part. Here comes a nat 20 on my loaded dice. I got a 10.
1: I go first. Then Andrew Then Todd. Sorry. Didn't mean to be yawning. We've had a long day. It's the day after Thanksgiving. I also was like getting some uh, normal procedure done at the hospital today. So this is one of those things where, you know, after a while of being kind of poked and prodded and, and having to drive around all over the place, you're just kind of like, okay, I'm ready for a nap.
0: Okay. So are you ready? Sure Okay, and go
1: La 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 la, la 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 Look at the bells, look at the bells Holy crap, here comes Jesus And he doesn't look too happy I'm done Jesus is
0: always happy 20 seconds
1: (laughs) Oh, uh Charles Dickens is the man And will remain to be the man For a long time
2: Okay, man like Jesus has a goatee, and how could you be sad with a goatee? Like, name one person with a goatee that was ever sad while they had a goatee. Fu Manchu. Time. It's the stupidest thing i ever heard. Okay,
0: so uh, that that went to a weird place. Okay, Andrew, <laughs> <laughs> are, are you ready? He was singing I, the, the the Christmas song. Point of order: How do you know that Jesus had a goatee?
2: Because it's the vibe, man. Okay. Also, in Mark eight, no, I'm just.
1: Kidding. So, so you're going with the whole literal hippie Jesus
2: no that's not true it's just you know uh, he was Jewish
1: which probably means he didn't just have a goatee he had probably a full beard wasn't it in, because
2: in uh, Old Testament didn't it talk about like uh you know like hair equates to like power or something or like
1: you're talking about Samson yeah okay, well, just do your lightning round
2: oh okay dork. okay ready
1: I'm not a door
2: yeah okay and go uh, Justin can do my lightning
3: round for me he's not here <laughs> So you're
1: it on Todd. Okay. Have fun with that, Justin. I love you, bud.
2: Justin's my homie. I hate his, his, uh... What? Aunt, though. Uh-huh.
3: Joanna can... Finish that sentence. I dare you.
2: Also, why was there so much, uh, you know, uh, Captain Marvel stuff in Joanna's room in that one podcast?
3: None of your business.
2: That was kind of creepy. I, I don't know. I'm not there. What? Are you, are you sure? okay there was a ton of like captain marvel like posters that had to be the worst lighting round
1: i think we've ever had
2: oh i forgot i was supposed to do lighting round.
0: wow okay i'm probably not gonna make it much better but at least i'm gonna keep it on topic or at least i think it will so here we go you'll try go uh, it's surprising to learn that Christmas was not a major holiday b- b- uh, during the Victorian times and that Dickens had a, a tough childhood. Uh, I don't think he gets all the credit, though. I know that that's implied by the name of the movie i think the royal family uh started stuff like the christmas tree and stuff like that so it might have been a combination of of them and dickens uh everything from the real location sets costumes uh everything visual effects uh, that were required to make the movie look like it was in victoria london were excellent especially since it's filmed in ireland so production quality was extremely superfluous Time.
2: Boo. what a lame ending round yeah. I st- 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 oh, because good. i stayed on topic Boo. how horrible
1: Yep. Ten, bombs, which makes sense because the royal family was Two German. Two bombs down. Yeah. yeah. And so, we probably have a lot to actually uh, be grateful to the royal family, so to speak, for having a Tannenbaum tree, which made it fashionable and therefore all the rich people did it. And so, once the rich people did it, all, all the poor people were like, hey, we want to do that. And it's just a tree, you yeah. know. And so, uh, you know, which I'm happy for. I think Christmas trees are awesome, whether you like – I actually would still prefer to get a real one, but with the things going on, we, we, we use an, uh, an artificial one. I don't care what your preference is. I, I, they're just pretty. I think they put you in the spirit and the mood. And, uh, uh, I love, I love riding around and, and seeing them in people's windows and, and all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. And I think it's even said in the movie that the Royal family did it. And that's why Dickens did it. Yeah. Um, and, yeah
1: they say he says something along the lines of oh yes, the the royal family put one up in in their house so you you know it's all gonna become the fashionable rage soon or something like that. yeah.
0: Yeah. And I I used to have a real tree every year, but it was just so much work. And and I think it was after I switched out my furniture, I have like whenever I did the real tree, I would have to move a couple pieces of furniture to the other side of the room. But then when I switched out my furniture, I had one extra chair. So now I can't move stuff to that same spot because there's already a chair there. So then I started going to little uh, artificial trees and now uh, the lights on one of my artificial trees is messed up. So now I've got to go to Lowe's and I was tempted to do that today, but I guess I'll do it tomorrow and try to figure out am i going to do another little one or am i going to go to a tall one now i don't know but i, I think i'm in artificial zone for a while yeah
1: I, uh, I have to say that i love todd's house at christmas because you go in the living room and there's like there's like four trees it's awesome
3: todd told me the reason he has four trees is that one is for star trek ornaments one is for star wars ornaments one is for fancy and shiny ornaments of things like biltmore estate downton abbey saint paul's cathedral The White House, North Carolina Lighthouses, and the Moravian Love Feast. And the fourth tree is for leftover ornaments that include Kermit the Frog, Batman, Spider-Man, Iron Man, Optimus Prime, Soundwave, and Grimlock. I can relate. I have one tree that is nothing but female superheroes. But I think it is time for ratings. Yeah, ratings. Oh, dang it, it's not lightning
0: Yeah, and Andrew, you usually go first for ratings. Ah, Damn it. I
2: hate y'all. Stupid. Uh, uh, I have nothing to blame this on. How do I put this delicately? All right, if this movie was a color, you got your white, you got your blue, you got your red. But then there's purple and purple is pretty cool. And then there's green, and green is even better than purple.
3: We put green and purple in great barrel equal to number of drazi. Then we reach him. We take where there was one drowsy people, now there are two. The two fight until there are one. One green and one purple carries mark of leadership. Who takes leader cloth is leader. Who takes green is green and follows green leader. Who takes purple is purple and follows purple leader. Todd said this was a Babylon 5 reference somehow, from an episode called The Geometry of Shadows. So, I guess he made me read it just because the colors green and purple were mentioned. Weird.
2: So, out of Christmas movies specifically, this is like a green. But out of movies as a whole, this is like a blue.
0: You get my feel? No! 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 No, not, no, no one not, could no.
1: possibly understand the insanity that just no, came out of your
0: mouth. No. I, I, don't, I don't know why <laughs> I, you just didn't stick to well, like part of that, something didn't you that made sense a long time ago when what? you had better grading sense. Now, if you were to say, all right, this is the spectrum, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, violet, and indigo, whatever the hell indigo is. If you were to stick with that, then green might make sense because you're saying it's right in the middle. Or blue because it's a little bit more toward the positive. That might make sense. But you didn't even do that. You were just all over the place. It w- I
2: wouldn't say I'm all over the place. Uh, okay. So, so based on a movie as a whole, it ranks about a B minus. But as compared to other Christmas movies, which is how I feel, we should judge Christmas movies because they are separate from all of our movies because we don't view Christmas movies the same as other movies because of this holiday spirit as a whole, adds to the experience, especially if you're with family. I think that this movie is at least an A minus, if not better, depending on your experience watching it and the time of year you're watching it. But as a movie purely, it's like a B minus,
1: you know? So if you watch it by yourself, it's a B minus. If you watch it with family, it's an A. If you're watching a Christmas movie by yourself, then it's like a D
2: minus because you're just so sad that you're alone, you know?
1: Hey, I watch a wonderful life by myself and I don't feel like, you know, crap when I'm I feel happy.
0: Wow! Uh, I'm gonna stop okay. talking. Yay! Okay, all right. I halfway agree with you, or a third of the way agree with you, because somewhere in there you said a B minus, and that's what I'm going with. And I, and it's, I know that's not a super high grade, but it's it's not low either. I still technically like this movie. I think I did have issues, like I said at the beginning, with the the pacing. It took a while, and then once even once I did kind of figure out, oh, that's what this movie is about. I kind of feel like. I may have missed some things, not because I wasn't paying attention, but because I wasn't paying enough attention, because I wasn't invested enough, because I didn't, I, I really didn't care quite soon enough. And so by the time I did, I felt like eh, I might have to rewatch this to totally get into it. But at the same time, I don't think I want to rewatch it. But at the same time, I don't dislike it on this re- on this watch. So that's why my grade settles in the good but not great B minus range. And also, uh, something else I've been doing lately is seeing where this ranks in the movies that we have reviewed for the podcast. So far, we've reviewed 44 movies for this podcast, and I rank this 32nd. So it's kind of in that middle third. But if you break th- things up into quadrants, it's maybe in the lower middle quadrant. You know what we should do? What? Since we're doing
2: the Christmas Wheel of Insanity separately from our normal Wheel of Insanity, we should rank... The movies that we review at the end, at the last episode we do, or like a summary episode Christmas? yeah, Okay, just right. out of the Christmas wheel of insanity, because it's small enough we can do something like that and just rank the movies individually Okay, and then just put them all in there, or we okay. can do it in like the description or something I think it would just okay. be cool to see how each of these rank specifically and see each of, everybody's preference towards different Christmas movies
0: you know Okay, I'd be okay with that. All right, so Dave, your score?
3: Screw...
1: Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> if this movie was a present from Santa Claus,
3: <laughs>
1: then it's, of course, not a Red rider BB gun. It's not an Oscar Mayer wiener whistle, which actually existed. If, if you got that reference, you are awesome. But it's not bad. You know, it's it's like, and this is probably true, it's one of those where it would be a gift that somebody gives you because they want you to have it, and you're going to open it and you're going to be like, "What? what is this? Because, like, you probably maybe never have seen it or heard it, but yet you're going to still enjoy Yay. it. Yay! Thank you. Now, granted, based on my normal uh, review, uh, this, to me, is definitely a matinee movie. Um Okay. After watching it if, if I probably Had not seen it uh, I'm not sure I would actually Have paid money for it But now that I've Seen it And I've watched it I would probably say This ranks up to A matinee movie Where if uh, You may not pay Full price for it Because it is, it is A little older uh, There might be More fun things to watch What have you Based on your own preferences but is it worth spending money on? Yeah, I do. I do believe that. At least matinee price to where if some theater somewhere decides, Hey, we're showing the man who invented Christmas. Yeah. Go have some popcorn. Take your family with you. Because I do agree with, with what Andrew said. Um, I can actually see that about how can, kind of, when you kind of watch it by yourself, you're going to be, you're going to have fun. You're going to, you're, you're going to be entertained. But if you really watch it with family, which is how I think some, there are some movies out there that are better watched with, more people um this is definitely one of them you know take your family go go have a christmas movie get hot popcorn you know drink some drink some coke or whatever and and, and enjoy yourself with the night out with a with a film that i think uh, really everybody will enjoy because uh there's not really there might be slight scary moments in it but nothing that i think would really mess up a kid and so you could really take the whole family and just go see it and so if it you know, if it ended, if it ever ended up that you could actually pay a little money for it, go to the matinee.
0: Yeah, as far as the kid thing, things do get a little bit dark near the end in that turning point where uh, Dickens is really ter- coming to terms with Scrooge, and there's a really dark moment before he realizes, oh yeah, there has to be hope. With the whole thing with the grave, uh, that could possibly be a little bit scary for kids.
1: I just nodded like I'm in the room with you. So as weird. a kid, I personally pissed my pants during that part. No, you didn't.
2: Shut up. I cried to mama, and I was so scared.
0: Not, not you, not somebody oh, who was a teenager. I'm oh, talking about oh, more like Evangeline oh. and Josephine. So
1: uh, Evangeline yeah. will probably be all right. Josephine, hey might, man,
2: don't
3: go dissing Josephine.
1: Josephine,
2: my homie. All right, outlaw
1: Josie Wales. Right. Yeah, I'm gonna turn her into a cowboy if I got anything to do with it. I've
2: got a picture of her with cowboy boots and a cowboy hat.
0: Okay, so we've got grades out of the way. So now we need to do the Christmas Wheel of Insanity. Wheel of uh, 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 Insanity. insanity. It's
1: the Christmas Wheel of Insanity.
0: Now Justin, I, play some holly jolly music. I am wondering if you guys want to do a little modification here and maybe spin the wheel twice. For the next two things rather than just one, that way maybe we can get a little bit of a head start. And then maybe the next time we're able to record, maybe we could knock out two in one night. Would that be okay, or you want us just sure? One, can I Whatever. roll one of them? Yeah, and the Dave, you want to roll the other one?
1: No, you can roll.
0: Okay, uh, so who's rolling first? I will. Okay, go ahead. And this is 12 sided,
2: yes. What was the number we already rolled? Merry Christmas. 11. I got a 3. So what's that? Okay. Please be good. Please be good. No Muppets, no Muppets, no Muppets. Nah, I'm just
0: kidding. Okay. Okay. Merry Christmas. Okay. So the first one is one of yours, Dave. It is Claus or Klaus. Klaus. I'm, I'm not sure. Klaus.
2: Yeah. Oh, I, I'm not I sure what the movie, bro. I know, it's awesome. It's one it? of the ones I was going to suggest. And then you took it. Okay.
0: So what is that one about then?
1: Uh, Klaus is, is a, is a interesting animated tale about how, uh, a male guy trying to save his job, so to speak, uh, invent santa claus and um it's 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 really it's I, I can't tell you more you're just gonna have to watch it if okay.
2: santa was skinny that's what this movie okay. is
1: well no because there's a fat guy in it but you know i don't remember of, it, but i remember think a bit more I it. of how does this mailman become santa's first elf
0: okay all yes. right and then the second one andrew you'll be happy that's, it's one yes. of yours home alone that's bad <laughs> So, what is Home Alone about? <laughs> uh, Sadistic I'm, child, I'm, torturing I'm
1: robbers.
2: So, um, you know that guy? You know that Tom? I scared that FedEx guy away because I was holding a shotgun at him. That's basically what this movie is.
0: <laughs> what? It's it's no.
2: Irritating. I've not actually seen this movie. Someone told me to put it on the list, and I did out of respect. It was definitely not my mom. I love
1: you, mommy. You've not seen Home Alone? No. Wow. Okay. I no it suggested it. I
2: haven't seen it. I've heard glowing reviews about it, so might as well,
1: right? I mean, it's up there. It's up there with with movies that people will will put in for Christmas because it it is a Christmas movie. It does take place mm. right in Christmas. There's Christmas all over it. But uh, And it's funny. I, I do like it. It's, it's, it's kind of like Die Hard. You know, it's like uh, not necessarily Christmas, but yet because of where it takes place and how it takes place, you're kind of like, yeah, it's a Christmas movie.
2: I think that uh, technically Princess Bride is a Christmas movie. Um, no. Mm, I think that no. technically
1: when you think about it, Princess Bride can be any movie you want it to be. No, no, no we're not doubting the fact that Princess Bride is awesome. It's just that if you're literally going to call it a Christmas movie, no, it's not.
2: Yeah, it is because, uh,
1: you know, it it is is...
2: sick and, you know, you get sick when it gets colder outside and the allergies and the weather is changing, you know, so it could have been in the winter. And if it was in the winter, then it could have been almost Christmas time. And that's why the grandpa was always on weed. That's my theory. All right. And that's
1: the end of this podcast. Yeah, well, you you know, know the movie movie Outbreak has a buttload of people in it that are sick and that's not a Christmas movie either. So I'm just saying.
0: Eh, I don't know. Okay, well, if you audience would like to tell us what qualifies as a Christmas movie or not a Christmas movie and what maybe some of your favorite Christmas movies are, you can contact us. Our email address is discerninggeeks at gmail.com. You can contact us through Twitter at discerninggeeks and then you can look for Discerning Geeks portal on Facebook uh also try to rate or review us wherever you listen to podcasts. podcast give us five stars as you if you love us four stars if you hate us if you give us one two or three stars your computer will get a nasty virus <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh that was good i do not think it's a young man know what he talk about so
2: uh i guess that's it guys so uh i've had a good time with y'all and uh remember y'all stay discerning and don't ever stop geeking and don't go through that portal
1: they can't get to the discerning geeks unless they go through the portal see how this works
2: exactly but that other portal over there is kind of fishy I know it's how we got here but that portal it's pretty fishy it kind of smells like me and that just doesn't sit with me right
1: is there a portal in your room right now? Is that what it is? Is this yeah. a Andrew's room?
0: Yes. Okay. Oh, my goodness. Sometimes I think we need a teenager to middle-aged dictionary to, to figure out what the hell you're talking about. Sometimes. Oh, I don't even know what
1: the hell I'm talking about, bro. I'm just saying whatever pops in my, my brain. Oh, he came close, didn't he? <laughs> almost did it. I'm, uh, That's I, awesome.
2: I close one.
1: He, he almost got reported to his mama.
2: <laughs> no, you wouldn't. Okay, Todd, you're okay. going to have to cut that out. May the force be with you.
0: Always. Oh, you know. And continue enjoying whatever makes you a discerning geek.
1: Jingle That's bells, what it bells, was. Bells, I Robin it. it. Batmobile broke its wheel, Loku got away. We all know it. We all love it.
0: Mm.
3: If you'd like to hear more holiday themed episodes from the Discerning Geeks portal, check out the reviews of Gremlins and Muppet Christmas Carol from last year. Those are episodes 26 and 28. Also, if you're a fan of Dungeons & Dragons, The Scrooge Story, and or Radio Plays, check out the Christmas D&D one-shot session in episodes 34 through 36. Have a happy holiday season!